Basement host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's Extraordinary Etiquette. For Ordinary Occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Well. Here's what happened. <laughs> so we were like, okay, well, we're leaving next week. So let's record an Ask Schmanners episode. And then we promptly forgot that. Yep. And here we are at Disney World in our hotel room, specifically where? In the closet. In the closet. We are hiding because BB is asleep and we want to record and we don't want to skip this week. So we are recording, coming to you recorded live from <laughs> Disney World Beach Club Resort in the closet. In the closet. In the closet. <laughs> Luckily, it's a very spacious closet. I mean, room enough for both of us and two suitcases. Yeah. And we're having a great time and we have some of your questions that we would like to answer. Here, let's just get right into it. Christine asks, what's the etiquette for when a plumber, electrician, or general handy person is doing work at your place? Do you offer them anything? Stick around to watch them work? Well, I think that you can offer uh, a, um, a service person some water if it's a hot day or they're doing uh, some, you know, difficult job. Um, but it's not necessary. I mean, one of the things that Travis reminds me constantly is that this is not the first time that this person has done this. So going to someone's home, installing cable or fixing a ceiling fan. It's unique for you. It's Yeah, it's unique for you. But they have encountered a person who this is their first time having a handy person yeah. over all the time. And so really... Um, what you should do is make sure that the workspace is clear and available. Um, and you should, if you, if you feel inclined, you can offer maybe a glass of water. Um, but other than that, I would say be home, but don't watch. <laughs> yeah. My, my advice is to, um, it's a two, two part process. Part one is, do you need anything? And then part two is to say, Okay, well, if you need anything, I will be in my office, or I'll be in the kitchen, or I'll be whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So that way, you are saying, like, feel comfortable coming and telling me if you have any questions or anything, but I'm not going to hover you over you the whole time. Exactly. I, I will tell you, I uh, went out on a couple Best Buy installations where I helped somebody install, like, sound systems and TVs and everything, and... Almost never is it appreciated when you hover over. Because here's the thing. A lot of these installations, for the first, like, 90% of it, it doesn't look pretty. Yeah. Right? They have to, like, cut holes in your wall and, like, drill into, like, stuff. And, like, it's not the kind of thing that you want people to see because until it's done, it doesn't look pretty. Yeah, yeah. And, like... I've had I I have seen people like oh oh uh could you not I'm like this is how it has to happen trust me by the end of it it'll look good yeah right so sometimes it's best just not to watch the sausage get made um this is from Swaddle what's the most polite way to get out of a social event like if you've made an appearance at a dinner party but don't want to stay longer than ninety minutes how do you get the hell out of there without hurting feelings. Um, well, I think that it's not about what you say, it's how you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely don't leave without saying goodbye. Don't do that. I believe that is called what ghosting. Sure. Is that what the kids are saying? Mm -hmm. 
It's called Houdini-ing. <laughs> Don't do that. No. Um, you need to make sure, first of all, that you thank the host, um, wh- whoever you were there to see or to celebrate. Maybe it's a birthday party or, or whatever. Um, and then make your kind of nice to see yous. It's so great. Let's do this again. Kind of as you're going out the door. Mm-hmm. There's no need to really make excuses, especially if this is something where it's like a come and go as you please. And yes. it's not like a formal event of, you know, speeches and dinner and Now, they specifically reception. said in here dinner party. And I think if that's the case, it's really important to tell your host ahead of time. Like, I won't be staying the whole time. Because especially if they're planning like courses or like person specific food mm-hmm. right where it's like the, like for example if it was like cornish game hens right that they're making for everybody they would have one of those for every person that's true or like individual pies or cakes or something right you want right. to be able to like give them an accurate head count but after 90 minutes i would say that probably dinner is over probably i i would not suggest that you leave in the middle of dinner correct i i think that it's just it's important to establish expectations like if you say like, hey, I'm I would love to come. I'm going to be there just so you know. I'm not going to be able to stay very long, um, but I would be happy. You know that kind of thing. If you need to, you can even you might get away with the tiny fib of I have a few prior commitments. And also, there's uh, that was a huge yawn. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Also, there's always the option of like I'm not feeling well or I have a headache. It's cliche, but like. You know, rather than say like, hey, my social anxiety. I would also say like, if it's someone you're really close to, like I have a Maybe lot of friends. Maybe you could say right. my social anxiety is, is really acting up. I, I need to go. I have a lot of friends that I would be like, hey, I think 90 minutes is all I can stand to be around people and today. And I think they would totally understand. You know what I mean? So I think like if it's someone that you, <laughs> the nice thing is, oh, and there's a huge John. Yeah, huge John from Teresa. The other side of it is if it's someone you're not super close to, they probably won't be too miffed if you leave after 90 minutes. You know what I mean? So I think it's win-win there. To either you can be honest with them because they're a close friend or they're not a close friend so you don't need to be completely honest uh this is from noah uh hi uh i'm a trans man in the food service industry what's a polite way to correct a customer if they misgendered me if i don't correct further mistakes can be made in the future if they return but i also don't want to make their experience uncomfortable i think that the important part isn't about how you correct it's about the tone of correction there's no need to apologize for your pronouns but it should be in a in a gentle way just so that uh especially in in this service industry that you're in uh, i want to make sure that um those customers come back to you and tip you Good is what I was going to say. Tip <laughs> you well. I think if if I were you, what I would do is say is do the correction of like it's he actually, and what can I get you to drink? And like yeah, move to another point so that there's nothing hovering in the right. air. Right, because like so that way you don't have to say like it's he, and then they feel the need to respond, which is usually where the awkwardness comes from. Mm-hmm. But if you give them an out of like it's he actually and did is that diet coke is coke okay like you know what i mean like yeah. whatever and move past it and once again i also think this is assuming as you're said in the question that you don't want to make them uncomfortable which is 
super cool of you to worry about in the service industry, but I think that it's the kind of thing where you don't have to him and haw too much. You can say it um, without super worrying about their kind of reaction. If you because, because yeah. they're going to go off of your your demeanor, right? So if you talk about it like this is this is what I want, yeah. and I take it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for example, last night um, we had a server whose name was Ibrahim. I think at one point somebody at the table like called him Abraham and he just said Abraham as he was like clearing a dish and he like yeah and it was nothing and like that's that kind of thing is no matter what the reason if there's something about you be it a name or pronouns or whatever that is that they get wrong like I'm all about identity like in every way if someone mispronounced my name i might flip the table <laughs> but no i wouldn't no. do that but i think it's okay to take some pride in your identity absolutely um this is from cheyenne when it comes to emails how much time should pass before you open your response with sorry for the delay also how do you make important emails feel less terrifying oh boy you know the thing about emails is they are instant and delivery, but it's the thing about like replying, right? Yeah, which I, it just can take. I all right, we have have discussed a little bit about this in the way of like how much time is too much time, but how much time is enough time, and then how much time should you wait till you reply and and we've talked about these kind of things and the truth of the matter is the person who has sent the email is always just waiting for your reply mm -hmm. and i don't know if the waiting will be better if you make them wait till the next day or I, let me tell you here's the okay, thing okay okay so <laughs> reply all a great podcast that you should listen to uh, has a thing, I believe it's April 30th, and it's called Email Debt Forgiveness Day. And the idea is, I guess, the day to send your emails that you've been sitting on and waiting to reply on without having to say sorry. And they've talked about it a lot on various uh, Debt Forgiveness Day episodes. And one of the things that they have pointed out that I think is important to keep in mind is I think that you start to feel all this pressure that you put on yourself to respond well and to like answer in detail and give a great explanation when in most emails you can answer with like yes or no or like okay great thank you and like that feels abrupt and i think we want to have like ah thank you so much for email it was so wonderful to hear from you yes on that question i guess I, when you don't have to right like if they ask you that question in person would you respond that way or just like yeah that sounds great and so like i try because when I tell myself that I have to respond in kind. I'll sit there for days and just stare at an email. But if I'm like, just answer the question, it's like, yeah, it sounds great. Like I send like three word responses. Except for business emails, I would say business emails need to be the next business day. By yeah, the but, next business and, day. But even that, like, oh, yes, by the next business day. But even that. One of the things that uh, my wonderful wife has been a great influence on me on in all things is that you don't have to say as much as you think you do. 
Mm-hmm. And like, especially when it comes to like explanations or apologies or whatever, you want to give all these reasons and you want to, and what you're really doing in, at least subconsciously is like trying to justify yourself and hoping the other person will say like, oh, that totally makes sense. Don't worry about it. When really all you have to say is like, sorry for the delay. Yes, that sounds great. And if you are asking when you, when that might be appropriate, that response, sorry for the delay. Um, I think that if you cannot get to something by the next business day, you Agreed. can send a, uh, a little catch-up email to be, sorry for the delay, I'm working on this response, I'll have it to you by, and then state the time that you'll have it by, yeah. because the waiting is the hardest part. And don't be afraid to say like, hey, thanks, uh, I'm super busy right now, can you ask me again in four days, or whatever, um, be- and because sometimes... You know, it's going to get lost in the shuffle and you know it's going to get lost in the shuffle and you're going to forget about it. So say like, hey, I can't get to this right now. Can you ask me and get on Friday? I think that works. Uh, Ciara asks, I want to have my friends over for more things, game nights, dinners, etc. But I find myself second guessing if anyone would actually show up. Is there a polite way to gauge their interest without the social pressure of planning things? I think what you need to do is you need to start planting it and uh, realizing that not everyone is going to show up the first couple times. You might catch two or three people. Maybe you'll catch four the next time. So, like, if you want to have all your friends come over, you have to start building it into the social calendar. Um, So if you want to have a game night, say, uh, invite all of those people and expect two or three to come so that you can play an intimate game. And then... The next, say, if you want to do this once a month or you want to do it once a week, you know, do it on a regular basis so that people come to expect this invitation so that as you as their social calendar gets kind of molded around it, more and more people will come. Um, And let me tell you from personal experience, soft invites get soft answers. Right. And so what you'll get a lot of is if you say, Hey, could anybody do what you'll get is like, yeah, I think I could do that. And And then nobody shows up. Right. What you want to say, I have found that a two week, you want to, I think like within 14 (laughs) days to eight days is the window. So like within that two week period to give people enough notice that they probably don't have something else planned but without making it seem so far in advance that they're unwilling to commit to it. Right. Um, And a nice big window of time to say like six to 10, because then you might end up with people who can't come till seven or something. You're like, okay, great. But the fact of the matter is it's, it's the nature of it is that people, you're not going to get everybody to come who you invite. It's just the way it works. And so if you want to play a game that takes six people or you want to have dinner for eight, Invite 10 to 12, you know? Um, so we're going to take a quick break and to then be back. stretch our legs in the closet. stretch our legs. <laughs> and then we'll be back uh, to answer more of your questions. But first, here's some thank you notes. Manners is sponsored in part this week by Bombas. So no matter what you are striving for, if you're just walking around say around disney say around disney taking like eighteen thousand steps which we did bombas 
are perfectly engineered to help keep you comfortable. They feature a honeycomb arch support, cushioned footbed, Y-stitched heel, and they are made of super soft and absorbent (laughs) cotton. Um, And Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Now, speaking of, I think one day we did, what, 18,000 steps? So we did on Monday, 19,000. On Tuesday, 18,000. On Wednesday, 16,000. And today, 12,000. I have been wearing my Bombas socks and felt great. The most amazing thing to me, and this is not a joke. I'm tired. I know. Not going to lie about that, but the feet feel great. This is amazing to me because I, my feet sweat sometimes. There it is. I'm human. (laughs) After walking around for no joke all day, taking the socks off, socks are still dry. Like, I like whisk away the moisture. It's just magical. Um, I'm very comfortable inside my shoes. I have high arches. And so that honeycomb technology is perfect. I have owned socks that have not touched the bottom of my feet all the way across. These socks do. I like them. And Bombas donates one brand new pair of socks for every pair they sell. So to date, they've sold and donated over 7 million pairs. Those are one of the most requested things at um, homeless shelters are socks. Um, So that's... That's just fantastic. Another fantastic thing is that our Schmanners listeners will get 20% off their first order when they go to bombas.com. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com to get 20% off of your first order. Bombas.com slash Schmanners and code Schmanners. We are also sponsored this week by Quip. So listen, teeth are made for brushing. And that's just what you do. And one of these days, this quip, well, no, nope. I blew it. Oh, uh, so this close. quip is going to brush all over you. You I'm were very so tired. close. You know, tripped at the finish line. I know. I'm so sorry. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. And you know what? I think they nailed it on all three counts. Quip features a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, helping guide a full and even clean. Can I also say, one of the things I love about it, before Quip, I had a big old bulky uh, electric toothbrush, and I never took it with me when I traveled. It was just too big. It you didn't did fit. take your Quip, didn't you? But I take my Quip now. Yes, because it I do. is a very slim design. Oh, it's so easy to take now. And it comes with this like tubular holder that is both tube-shaped and also tubular. Dude. Yeah, and it fits easily in, in your suitcase or your ditty bag or what have you. Um, and so now I take it with me whenever I travel. And the brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. That is a great Before deal. Quip. I don't know how often I replaced my toothbrush. Not often Not enough. Not often enough. Uh, Quip is backed by over 20,000 dental professionals and starts at just $25. Go to getquip.com slash schmanners right now to get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash schmanners. <laughs> what are you laughing at, James? I'm not gonna, I'm laughing at you. What? <laughs> and me too. Huh? 
our podcast, Minority Corner, silly. Oh, the one where we talk about topics that cover the queer community, race, feminism, and good old pop culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. Oh, girl, we are so funny. <laughs> I was just thinking about something we did. Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. Are you listening to me or me? Both. Minority Corner. Every Friday. Listen, we already know that you love genre movies, film craft, and female filmmakers. So, if you love all those things, then by transitive property, you love my podcast, Switchblade Sisters. Hi, I'm film critic April Wolf. Every week, I have a conversation with a different female filmmaker about their favorite genre film. Each episode covers the filmmaking process, working in the film industry, and just like general geeking out about awesome movies. I've had such great guests like the big sick writer Emily Gordon. To me, indie movies as of late have come to be a catch-all term for a movie that kind of defies genre. Billy Madison and Half-Baked director Tamara Davis. When a comedian comes and enters onto my set, they're they're just there to be funny and we're all ready and waiting for them to be funny. Horror industry veteran and actor Barbara Crampton. That's where real drama lies for me. What's What's between you and I speaking right now? Where where are we meeting? And what's the energy that we create between us? And so many others. So check out Switchblade Sisters every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, this next question comes from Andy. What are some things, manners-wise, that a teacher could teach students? I'm an art teacher, and while I recognize this stuff starts at home... I want to be a good example for them. First of all, thank you so much. This really is one of the the things that we really try and encourage in this podcast is that really you teach manners by having manners. So just the fact that you are conscientious about this and you are, you know, living your life in front of these students in a way thinking about the manners you are having, I think is fantastic. Um, I think that when you're, you're talking about a student teacher relationship, you need to really put the emphasis on empathy. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Because when you can imagine yourself on the other side of the conversation, you can, you know, think about how you would want to be treated and then treat people that way. Yeah, that's a thing that I think is 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 a hard lef- lesson to teach a kid one on one. Like I I I'm, we're working on. I mean, we talk about it all the time with BB, where it's like, do you think that that's nice? How do you, how do you think that makes mommy feel? But I think when you're dealing with a group of kids, the idea of like, and how do you think they feel right now because of that, is a thing that I think is very important. And not only that, but also um, listening to other people's ideas and and not. Uh, jumping in with your own ideas is a very important lesson that I think you could teach, especially in art. You know, that idea of like, let's all work on this thing together where everyone's opinions, we're going to hear them out and, and you know. Uh, or that everyone's opinions are worthy. So yeah, exactly. the idea where um, maybe, it's been a long time since I've taken an art class, but I guess if you're teaching, uh, you know, uh, impressionist ideals, Maybe someone has a different way of of doing it than another person. And you can talk to the class about how both of these things that people have produced have artistic worth. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. This question comes from Catherine. Just went to a pizza party, and I'm wondering, once someone takes the first piece from a pizza, do you have to take one of the two pieces next in line around the pizza, or can you take a slice from the other side? Okay, great question. Let me tell you why you shouldn't take a slice from the other side. Structural integrity. Because <laughs> once you take a slice from the other side, it's going to start to get like floppier pizza. And then when you try to pick a pizza up, especially if it's been a little while, the cheese has cooled down a little bit, you try to pick it up, oh, that whole half of the pizza is going to come with you. Now that said, Catherine, if there's no one around <laughs> and you see a piece that was cut so it's a little bit bigger than the other pieces or a little bit smaller, maybe you want a slimmer piece, and you're like, that piece is loaded with sausage. I want that piece. Yeah. You do it. You know why? Because pizza is for you, Catherine. I'm just going to say, don't touch all the other pieces of pizza. Just take the one that you touch wherever it is. And then you get some tongs and you slide <laughs> it back together so the two sides touch. And you get a little blowtorch and you melt the cheese back together and no one will ever know. Do you hear me, Catherine? This secret dies with you. No, I think it's fine. I, I, I wouldn't do it. As a knee-jerk reaction, the only time that I would say, like, it's okay to do it with impunity is if it is, like, I want a piece of this pizza, but, like, it has peppers on it, and I don't like peppers, and this slice doesn't end up with no peppers on it. I think that's fine. Um, but, yeah, like, just take a piece of pizza, I guess, unless no one's looking. And then you grab whatever piece you want, Catherine. Um, this is from Jazz. What is the etiquette towards matchmaking friends other than warning them both beforehand to ensure consent? Is there anything else to know? Oh, gosh. I, I'm, I would give the piece of advice of arrange. Cause listen, I know how middle school this is going to sound. But imagine a thing for people to hang out and say to them, like, I think you will get along. Well. Okay, yes, because a blind date... Oh my gosh, so it hard. It ain't good. Like it it's is not, not the, really it's not fun. It's not the best time for someone to shine, right? Because right. like I, for example, I'm at my best when I'm surrounded by people like that I know and that I can banter with, mm -hmm. and like that's when I think I'm most impressive. And like if you if you like these friends, right, which I assume you do because they're your friends, and you want them to shine. Right, put them in a circumstance where they are going to feel most comfortable. I think they're going to feel most comfortable hanging out with people they know. Now, that's not to say that you couldn't have a a series of different maybe spaces or activities where there would be some more in, intimate interaction instead of just you know all round tabling. You yes. know, so like everyone, bowling, like bowling. Bowling is a great option. That is a great option. Yeah, and here's the thing. I like your impulse, Jazz, which is to tell them what's up. Yeah. I think that that is very important for two reasons. One, it is the right thing to do so that nobody gets like put on the spot. But two, then if they go into it with expectations like, hey, I'm going to set this up of we're all going to go bowling, and I think that you and Todd would get along great, right? Then... They know why you're doing it. And then what's so important, Jazz, is that you don't spend the evening nudging them towards each other. Right, and checking in and things like that. I think that as a as a matchmaker here, Jazz, you can you can put the pieces together, mm -hmm. but you really you shouldn't force them to fit. 
think of it more like a scientist, right? Where you're like Ooh. you're introducing, you know, the the element into the into the situation, and then you're watching what happens. What right? kind? What kind of scientist are you? I in this, I was thinking like a chemist. Okay. Yeah, where you're mixing the two, something like that. What I was really going to say, but I didn't want to gross them out, was like it's like a Petri dish, and you're going <laughs> to slob their bacteria into a Petri dish, and you're going to watch how it grows. But Now, you don't see, wanna... that's highly scientific. I mean, I guess, but it's gross. It's a gross way to think <laughs> about matchmaking. But yeah, but what you don't want to do is spend the night. There's a great line from a Gary Jewell song, which is, uh, expectation makes me old. And I think about that a lot, because that idea of like, if you're trying to push, and you're trying to like, you're, you might end up smothering the flame. That's deep, man. Hey, thanks. Um, this question uh, is from Holly. What is a polite way to respond to someone who is condescending? Um, this, this, I think, touches on something that we discuss a lot, which is one of the things about when we talk about manners and politeness and etiquette, is we see a lot of questions that are like, what's a polite way to respond to someone who's yelling at me? Or what's a polite way to respond to someone stealing my purse or whatever? And I think the fact of the matter is, that's not really, at least in my opinion, how it works. Like, I, here's what I'll say. If someone is being condescending to you and they're doing it, okay, I'm going to split this into two categories. If someone like is being a jerk to you on purpose and being like, uh, I'm sorry. You, then I think it's fine to say like, oh, okay, well you sound very condescending right now. So I don't want to continue in this conversation anymore. And then remove yourself from the situation. Right. Because if this person is being condescending on purpose and being a jerk, and as I mean, this is assuming that they're not like your boss or something, which is a whole different kettle of fish. But if you're just like at a bar and someone's kind of being a jerk to you, I think it's okay to say like, you're being a little condescending right now. So I think I'm done with this conversation and walk away. And I, the- I just want to say that I think that it is important that if you want to keep along the lines of you, uh, you said a polite way is not to call names and remember the I statements, right? So I don't know if it's if it's de-escalating the situation to actually call them condescending. I, Whereas if you can say, I, I don't feel comfortable in this conversation anymore, then you can leave. So there, I think that that's a very fine line that uh, a touchstone. There we go. That's a touchstone. I statements and don't call the other person names. I think that if it is a situation, though, where this is like a loved one, right, where they you don't believe they're doing it intentionally. I think, once again, I statements to say, like, I want you to know that when you say something like that, it makes me feel like. You don't think I know what I'm talking about or that like, uh, yeah, Teresa's giving me a look because that's not quite a nice statement, but something along those lines. I don't know. I'm tired, but workshop it. But like when you do that, it makes me feel stupid. <laughs> um, but I think it's OK, because here's the thing. If you don't tell someone the most polite thing you can do in a relationship, be that friendship or coworkers or partners or family or whatever, the most polite thing you can do is talk to the other person and tell them how you feel um because if you don't instead you just keep that inside and it builds negative feelings towards the other person 
because you want them to know how you feel without you telling them. And that can bust out when you least expect it. Yeah. So I would say in like, you know, sometimes Mimi, you're tired at night and yeah. you've been walking around a theme park all day and you have to record a podcast in, in a, a closet. closet. Yeah. And it gets real tense, <laughs> but I think it's important like in the moment and, and try not to make it, uh, heated in any way and just say like hey I want you to know um, when you do that this is how I feel right and, and and explain that and it's not like ha right there you jerk you've done it again but more like I don't think you know you're doing it but this is a great example of this thing that I, I do not enjoy um, let's see we have one last question this is from Selena. Is it rude to ask if there's going to be food at a party, even if you know the person well? Uh, I think if you know the person well, it's super not rude super to be like, is there going to be food? Should I bring food? Should I eat beforehand? Super fine. Um, One of the things that can give you a clue is how close to the, the usual eating hours is this gathering taking place, mm-hmm. where I would not invite someone to my home between the hours of six and seven and not provide food and refreshment. I would say six to eight, but we're also very old and go to bed at nine. So So, uh, the hour, the dinner hour should be a clue. The lunch hour again. um, And also I think a good way to ask if there's going to be food instead of saying, Hey, there's going to be food. That makes it sound like I'm oh, just me? there for yeah. the food. You can say, what will we be doing? What can I expect from this evening? Right. Or, or something like that. Or you can say, should I bring a dish? Should I bring signs, snacks? What That's kind a of great idea, can too. What I provide? And if they're like, no, I think we're just going to order pizza. We're like, well, no, I think we're going to have some chips or whatever. Then you know, like, okay. I you know what's going down. Uh, but I also think when it comes right down to it, especially if you are in any way unsure. I think it's important. Like, I think it's fine to say like, so is this going to be like a dinner thing or just like snacks and appetizers? Because what you don't want to do is like, oh, they invited me there at 6.30, so this will be a dinner thing. And then you get there and they have like eight cheese cubes. And you're like, oh, this sucks. (laughs) Like, I think it's okay to ask. I don't think it's rude at all. I think, to Teresa's point, you don't want to make it sound like, are you going to feed me? Because if not, I'm not coming. Right. Maybe make the plans first. I'm just here for the food. Yeah, make the plans first. And then say, like, sounds great. What are we going to be doing? I think that's a great idea. That's going to do it for us. Uh, Real quick, before we let you go, uh, we're going to be in London. On our on our tour of sleepiness, <laughs> um, September eighth, but the show's going to be great. It's going to be that so show good. will not be in a closet. No, no, we can guarantee it. It will at least be on a stage. Um, so if you want to get tickets to that, it's uh, bit.ly/schmannersLondon. Um, and then also Schmanners is going to be taking part in a show we're doing at New York Comic Con on October sixth. It's called Travis and Friends. Uh, also, there is going to be Janet Varney, Samus the Rapper, uh, Paul and Storm, Jonathan Colton, uh, the Double Clicks, Janet Varney, Pat Rothfuss. Did I say Janet Varney? She's just so great. Um, Jean Grey, 
Quelle Chris. Quelle Chris. A lot of people are going to be there. Uh, Miles Luna, Brent Black, hey, Courtney Enlo. A ton of people. Yeah. Bit.ly slash McElroy NYCC for those tickets. Uh, and if you go to McElroyShows.com slash tours, you can find links to all kinds of stuff, including my Dragon Con stuff, which I'm going to be at this weekend. Um, it's also my banner on Twitter right now. So you can go do that. And then go check out all the other amazing shows on MacRoyShows.com and all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. Go check them out. Um, as always, we would like to thank Brent, Brent of Lost Black, for our theme music. And that is available as a ringtone where those are sold. Um, thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. Thank you to Keely Weiss Photography for our banner art banner for picture for the fan run facebook group which you can join today called schmanners fanners and uh those those fans have some really great advice when you need it um you can follow us on twitter at schmanners cast and if you have ideas for topics, especially for that London show, because we don't know what we're going to do yet, you can tweet at us at SchmannersCast, or you can email us, SchmannersCast at gmail.com. I think that's it. So join us again next time. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.